Hello, everyone, and welcome to Worlds Episode 3 of Euphoria, the Euphoria Worlds Edition. I'm Dracos, as always, joined by the wonderful Frost Gurren. Uh, we're available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and SoundCloud. You can really pick where you want to grab us from. Uh, but anyway, we're here today following the end of week two of groups. There are now eight teams eliminated from the world's proper, including all the playing teams who also left out. There's a lot of teams eliminated. There are now eight teams remaining. It's the last man standing battle going on. Uh, we just witnessed the group draw. We're going to talk about it later. We've also got an interview with Whippo, courtesy of Lore from earlier today, where he shares some insight on everything that's been happening in the tournament with Fnatic. But before we get to any of that, it's time for us to do a little segment I like to call Rest in Peace. And by segment, I mean it's just a general collection of topics with no real structure. Because there's a lot of dead bodies <laughs> piling up for Oscar. And we got we to honor, we got to bury some. We got to burn some other ones. But at the end of the day, we got we to gotta honor them all. So why don't we, where do you want to start? The gold coins on the eyes. Gold coins on the eyes. You got to see. Gotta pay the ferryman. Some people, some people went to Valhalla. Some people died a dishonorable death. And you know they're they're gonna get they're, they're gonna have a hard time without Valhalla on their Shout side. Shout out to you, North America. Today was a was a rough day, and I hope that you got your redemption storyline with uh, FlyQuest taking I, a game off of top. I feel like they did. That was a good ass game. Yeah, like, they I, played it really well. That was really impressive overall. Like I talked to you beforehand about how much I love watching Ignar play, especially, and we got to see Ignar play really well. But honestly, the stars aligned. Everything came together for them. Solo was was playing pretty well in that top lane matchup. And while people are going to talk about how it wasn't the best draft from top, I still think FlyQuest deserves so much credit because regardless of the draft, like that, they still played so cleanly across the entire game. I think there were a lot of takeaways for it if you're a North American fan and a FlyQuest fan. I think first and foremost... The fact that the uh, top lane matchup was so sculpted for Solo, you know, he got to pick exactly what he wanted it to into it. There were tons of bans thrown at the top lane, and I'm not saying like hard counter one way or the other, but, you know, a uh, fact of the matter is, is that he was made comfortable, and I think that one of the big issues that the LEC and the LCS have found at this tournament is how outclassed their top laners are um, comparatively to the world's competition. And then the other thing was Ignar getting a champion that he had so much agency on and so much comfort on. Um, we already knew that Santorin was one of the strongest, some people say the strongest jungler in the LCS. Um, and then Power of Evil constantly giving him so much pressure on mid lane. But, you know, as soon as Ignar is on a Blitzcrank where he has the ability to hard impact a game and Solo is on a matchup that he picked into and that he feels confident in, you get like a very different look from FlyQuest. I liked their... Uh, way that they played around waves you know they were really patient around their objectives they played on wave state well so i think big credit to them yeah i, I completely agree and like looking across at the other lcs teams as long as we're running through it of course we've been kind of we're so used to covering i think every single day that we have to, like it's we have to remember we have to recap the entire week for people it's been a while since we've been back and so let's talk about the two other na teams let's let's end on a positive so let's then continue right now to TSM so we can end on Team Liquid. Um, and the TSM one was catastrophic, I think it's safe to say. 06, never how you want to go out. But the real catastrophe, if you're not, if you're just tuning in for bracket stage, I totally get it. If you're like, oh, I can't handle eight days of groups. But the catastrophe is not the 06 as much as it is how the 06 happened and specifically the one game where they had it in the bag. It was literally in the bag. They were closing the bag. And then for some reason, they're like, 
who's gonna take anything from us? And then they opened the bag and invited Genji to come in and reach in and just take everything away from him. And that to me was the um yeah, the shit icing on the shit cake, to put it to put it as fairly as I possibly can. And I, I really feel for, for the TSM fans after that one. That's Oh, I don't brutal. think I've ever once thought to myself that I really feel for a TSM fan. I think I feel very confident that uh, I was okay with that one. Oh, you're so cruel. <laughs> Sorry, I can't. so hard to watch. Um, oh. hmm. You can go straight to TL. We don't have to dwell on TSM because I, I think sugarcoating in 06, sugarcoating in 06 specifically just doesn't, we're not here to do that. It sucks. That's all I'll say. It sucks for NA. It sucks for TSM. It's really interesting, though. I think one of the kind of cool discussions are is that uh, you assume that changes will be made. I'm not going to speculate on what type of changes are made. But sure, if you sure. are joining TSM, we were having this uh, conversation back in the green room, actually, where it was like the topic then was that this would be a terrible time to join TSM, you know, versus like the time when Jat joined TL. TL were such a world-class, a dominant LCS team. Yep. And then fell down in standings jack joined the team and then they rise back up and they have a strong world performance you're on tsm where you've basically not done anything for a couple of years now the roster wins the lcs and it's like at that point you wouldn't want to win or you wouldn't want to join the team because there's huge stakes because it's like if you don't win lcs then oh not only are you dealing with the tsm fandom but you're dealing with an angry tsm fandom yeah but now that they've absolutely crashed and burned at worlds due to expectations that were set on them uh is it like do you now join tsm like if you yeah. were ripping apart the roster or changing out staff management or whatever maybe even just like running it straight back would you do you think that's worth the gamble that's a good question. And honestly, if you're listening to this as a TSM fan, I don't, I can't imagine that the biggest portion of the Euphoria audience is like diehard TSM fans. But for those of you out there, like, would you pay the price of a couple splits, maybe a couple years of mediocre finishes for TSM to make a world-class team that maybe can't like, I'm not gonna say win the world championship because I think that's an unfair expectation, but can get out of groups, can have a better showing than this team. Or do you keep this team that proved that they can win the LCS and not change anything, despite the fact that it also resulted in an 06 world run. I don't, I don't know. know. I, don't I don't know either. Yeah, that's the problem. It's like, I don't have an answer for it, but I think it is the most interesting thing to talk about in regards to TSM, which tells you exactly what happened to TSM. On to TL. I still feel that TL are the strongest LCS they were. I think they were the best LCS team. But yeah, yeah. A Santorin was the best jungler that the LCS sent. Which is a really important thing, because I think that Santorin's career for so long to me was just kind of like he was kind of just there. So to see him be able to step up and to be able to perform in this meta is pretty cool. He's also a guy who showed in the first UOL when he was playing the Vola Bear, so there's a little bit more stylistically going on there, and that made me happy. And I think that while ultimately Solo was kind of the weak point for that team, I think FlyQuest did well. That said, on the TL side of things, Broxa looked all right. You know what I mean? And ultimately, TL actually pulled it together for the Miracle Run. It was... The cynical way to look at it is that it's G2 who let TL down. Ultimately, nah, it's TL that let TL, TL down. Let TL down. G Machi yeah. in the first round. Like, <laughs> beat Machi in the first round. Excuse me, fiddlesticks, you guys. And then they could have had a tiebreaker versus versus G2, right? And that would have been... Oh, no, they would have automatically lost that tiebreaker. Maybe they still could have gotten the tiebreaker versus Suning. It's tough. Oh, man, no. No, wait, they would have been 1-1 because TL beat G2 in the first round. They needed to beat Machi. That Machi loss Machi. was what really... They did that that Machi loss <laughs> where they got absolutely mid-gapped by um by Syndra. Mission. By Mission. I blanked for a second. I couldn't remember if Mission or Gemini. Gemini and Mission. They've been dead for so long now. The I've Australian bot lane and Bruce and Koala. Woo. 
There you go. Um, that sucks that it all comes down to that single game for TL. I think while it is bittersweet for NA fans, I'm sure, again, I still think, I'm not going to say that pride is the word that you can have with your international showing, but things to improve on. At least it's not like you got wiped. Better luck next year. Try again. And there is definitely some of that, but at least there's like something kind of redeeming for them in that. That said, NA, I think there's a tier list of regions right now, and I think we're going to kind of need to have this conversation at some point, so why don't we just soft have it now, kind of just TLDR for people. There's a tier list of regions right now. LPL is number one. I think if we're looking optimistically, LCK and LEC are number two in that second tier. Let's call it the A tier if, if LPL is S tier. I think it's LPL, LCK, LEC, LCS. Do you think there's a separate tier? Yeah. All right. So we got S tier, LPL. We got A tier, LCK. I would move Dam 1 up onto S tier. Dam 1 up onto S tier. But just for generalization for regionally, which I know definitely takes away the minutia of details. Yeah. But for the LEC, then, then we're B tier. And then C tier, which obviously is a, it sounds disappointing because C is not you know everyone's favorite grade. But just understand that that's just how the cookie crumbles. Fourth tier, I guess we can call it, um, is PCS and LCS right now. I guess... Uh, ooh, I don't know if I want to put the PCS on the same tier as LCS. You want to put them a tier below? Yeah. Hmm. Here's the thing. I think the PCS has individual really talented players. Sure. And um, again, you know, either you're better than them or you're not. And if you're not, they're kind of like the LGD to me, which is if you're not better players and they gap you, then they can cause a lot of problems. But I don't think like the team coordination is uh, that strong. And obviously there's like a bunch of different reasons why that is. And it comes down to infrastructure. PCS is one of those regions that is not working with a lot of resources and support, but it's still able to punch above its weight and put out like really good talent. Basically the PCS is like what Oceania wishes it could accomplish. Yeah, for sure. Which is small region, hits above its weight and needs to be respected. But I don't think it, in my opinion, I do not think it is fair to collectively say that the PCS is on the same I don't know. Maybe it's different if the Vietnamese teams are here, but mm. I still think that LCS is like there. And I think it's disingenuous to the narrative also because this is the first year that Sword Art's ever made it out of groups. Ooh. Yeah. It's actually crazy when you think about think that. Think about that. Think of how many times at Worlds. That think of how many game. times Flash Wolves and AHQ have held the mantle of the LMS. Yeah, they were the Korea killers, but they weren't much else, right? And that was kind of always the issue. Yeah. And they would have like strong MSI performances and then kind of fall off when it came to Worlds. And that, you know, G-Rex, HKA, uh, AHQ, Flash Wolves, these are like the names of the LMS before it became the PCS alongside uh, Southeast Asia and uh, VCS. Mm. But it's like they collectively and historically, the LCS has done more. That's true. I think what's interesting is if you take away the regional uh, categories and buckets to place anyone in, you know, the fact of the matter is, is that the LCS just wants to get a team in top eight. Like, I don't even think it's about, like, the LCS as a region being fourth or whatever, because frankly, like, I think the LEC is pretty vastly outclassed regionally to LPL and LCK. And I don't yeah, really for sure. care which order that if people want to put LCK and LPL, like, I don't. I don't care enough to fight that one. Um, but I do think that the LEC can stand pretty proud that they have two teams that are consistently getting to top eight, at least. World class. We have two very world-class teams. And obviously, a lot of teams inspiring to get there. Mad Lions, untimely loss. Rogue, obviously, with a rough draw, maybe they could have been here too. But we have two teams that are consistently world-class and Fnatic and G2, and the rest can move up. But you're right. I think the the idea of the regional tier list is 
definitely flawed because it's also we talked about this a lot in the last episode about regional dominance but it's just like more often than not a region is very much led by a single team and while the one or two teams behind them might also be similarly good usually there's a pretty big gap right um so yeah we don't have to go into the the fact we don't need to go into the tier list where drx and, and top and jdg you know are number one and then everyone else is eons below them i don't like that tier list that tier list is less fun than the gross generalization of regions so we'll stick off on that um of course rogue falling out is the other is the other talking point we we kind of felt like it was short of a miracle turnaround and inevitability when we talked about it last week but i think that again there are things that rogue can walk away from things that rogue can learn and kind of coming into the next season um always gonna suck but i think for eu fans it's like all right you were you know you were the third seed you took the bullet on the group draw. Somebody had to. And like, look, it paid off. Spoiler, spoiler for the quarterfinal draw. It paid off. The bullet that Rogue took <laughs> has saved many lives. Many, many lives. I also think it was just a conversation about um, PCS versus LEC because I think that some people might think it's disingenuous to have the conversation with LCS and not LEC, especially after Rogue fell down to the sure, PCS so actually strongly. Fair. Um, and the... A uh, tweet that I actually really liked was Vettius's tweet, which essentially came out and said that despite Rogue's scoreline at the end of the day, like finishing last in their group, that he still felt that they were the third best team in the group. Mm. Obviously, that's a snub towards the PCS. But um, I think it's really important to hold into mind that the drafts and strategies that Rogue pulled out in their games after they had been mathematically eliminated were not the best version of Rogue. You know, sure. giving Finn, there's no way that they draft Aurelia for Finn in a world's game unless Ever. it meant nothing like that is he's not to the guy who gets those resources that's it is, like you're going out here's your shot buddy. exactly like yep. have fun playing one of your signature champions on uh at worlds and if rogue disagree with me you guys can like tweet at me i would love to Let know, me know yeah maybe if i'm correct something. on this assessment but what i'm seeing is that uh rogue were mathematically eliminated and uh they just kind of threw their strategies and gave you one last look at them but you didn't see the best version of rogue which is why I think it's incorrect to say that the PCS is better than the LEC or specifically that PSG is better than Rogue. Sure. Technically, those teams went 1-1 and both things can be true. Then I saw the people are like, yeah, but, you know, PSG played really well when they were mathematically eliminated. I'm like, yes, both those things can be true. You can have a team that... Those things aren't mutually exclusive. Yeah, it's not like <laughs> all teams are guaranteed to perform well when they're mathematically eliminated. Where when the game that did matter between those two teams, Rogue won, in my opinion, pretty convincingly. So that's why I sit there. And maybe it's unfair. Like, I think there's a good conversation to say that it's unfair that Rogue are better than PSG. But I think it is factually true to say that PSG are not better than Rogue. Does that make sense? Yeah, I feel you. Well, there's some room for interpretation there. I like that. I like what we're seeing there. Ooh. Last, I think, final words. Any other teams that I think deserve recognition that I want to hit? I just want to see. I think Unicorns of Love, this is a team. You said it today on cast, and I want to repeat this, and that's the, this is a team we should get used to seeing. This is a team that is probably the best in the CIS, and the CIS is a very top-heavy region, and it kind of has been for as long as it's existed. Yes, the names have changed a little bit, but it's always felt like one team wildly ahead of the rest. No one is close to the Unicorns of Love. Yeah. The only team that can somehow skill-check them is Gambit occasionally. Mm -hmm. 
And so they're really good at snowballing games. So obviously you can see how this would cause problems when they get to an international stage and they can no longer just skill check their opponents. So they scrim with LEC teams. I hope to see them get more international experience and continue to level up. Um, from talking to their coach Sheepy, the players are like young and hungry and they're willing to like work hard and stay together that carries over the same family atmosphere as the old unicorns. Sure. And their contracts are extended through 2022 now. So we're going to get to see more of this exact same five man for a long time coming out of the LCL. And uh, my last, my favorite thing, this is my personal spite moment. Bye, LGD. <laughs> Bye, baby. Remember 2015? I do too. I believed in you then and you let me down. And this year... Whatever belief you wanted from me, you got none of it, and you got eliminated. And it took longer than I expected. I thought it might happen in plans, but it did happen. And as a result, we got Fnatic through, and that's, that's all I care about. Would have preferred first seed, if I'm completely honest. Would have would have definitely preferred first seed, but we take those. You know what? I'll say this to you, LGD. You won back a little bit of my respect by making sure that TSM picked up no win. So shout out to you, baby. Shout, shout out to you, LGD. You came in clutch when it mattered most. Not for stakes, but for embarrassing people as much as you've been embarrassed internationally. Farewell, LGD. And on that note, we have an interview from Whippo. It was recorded before the group draw, so it was recorded earlier today, day four, the last day oh, of Oh, so he groups. hasn't gotten the news yet. <laughs> so he has not gotten the news yet, and maybe you haven't either if you've been watching Spoiler Free, but do note that from this point on, we will be talking, after this Whippo interview, we will be talking about the group draw. So if you haven't watched already, if you don't know, buckle up. That said, let's get some thoughts from Whippo. Let's talk. We get to talk a little bit more about Fnatic. We get to hear a little bit more about what's going on with Fnatic, something that I'm really excited about. Let's check it out. And thank you, Dracos, and thank you, Whippo, for joining me. You made it to quarterfinals. I guess that's not a surprise for you guys, but did you have time to reflect on the group stage as a whole? Uh, from tonight? <laughs> <laughs> not so much, I suppose. Um, I guess I have a couple of hours to reflect. Um, in general, uh, I took more time to reflect on our perspective and like what we were doing. We had team talk after the last game, especially uh, not really a team talk, but like we were talking about like, uh, how did it feel? Uh, what was wrong? What do we think? Um, and ultimately, I think it was a good group stage experience, all things considered. Mm -hmm. So pretty good. Pretty, Pretty good. good. Okay. I feel like we've seen a switch uh, with a Fnatic playstyle from the first round Robin to the second round Robin in the sense that you were on the same page. It feels in terms of communication, cleaner plays. Uh, anything you talked about between the first round Robin and the second round Robin to come in ready yesterday? Um, surprisingly, not really. Okay. I think it's just uh, the magic of week two, I guess. Um, uh, week two is just uh, uh, different for Fnatic, I guess. Um, memes aside, I think it's, it's mostly just people recognize that the way to get out is by playing as a team and really sticking together to make, to make plays. And I think that, um, yeah, some of that week two magic hit us pretty good in the first two games. Uh, usually we have to lose a game for it to happen, but this time around we lost the game at the end. So it was a, a lot more comfortable of an experience, if you will. It is not the usual week two for Fnatic in the sense that I've been talking with Reckless at the end of the interview and we've been used to the drama Fnatic bouncing back in a, uh, in week two uh, after having a poor performance usually, but this time we were actually ahead. Uh, how do you explain this? Because coming into group stage, we had the feeling that this group C was actually the group of death and it looks like the outcome was way less predictable than expected. Do you agree on that? 
Um, well, uh, I know someone uh, like LS, for example, predicted TSM to go 06, so <laughs> I guess it was not that unpredictable. Um, uh, with that in mind, I think it was the group of death and the idea of if any of the teams... Like, the thing about this type of group is TSM goes 06, it's not really a group of death, mm-hmm. uh, but if TSM goes 1 and 5 for whatever reason, you're looking at something that's way closer to a group of death, because my idea of a group of death is three good teams and one team that... Uh, could play spoiler because when you lose the game to that one team which is obviously possible right every team that made it to worlds is somewhat or is at least supposed to be able to play a decent game of league of legends mm-hmm. um it is losing that one game to that team that throws everyone off and makes uh, the experience uh, a little closer to the group of that you also had uh, a different setup being in china going through two weeks of quarantine before being able to play in a hotel. Uh, how did this play for Fnatic, the fact that you were um, in this introspective experience, I want to say, because you spent quite a time alone. Mm-hmm. And also, I mean, it's also the first time you have to get ready for the world stage in this difficult situation. So how did this play out for you, Brippo? Mm-hmm. Well, for myself, I mean, yeah. it wasn't very difficult. Uh, I mentioned this in a bunch of interviews, right? Like, uh, I have uh, this uh, wonderful thing called a girlfriend, right? And I know esports doesn't always uh, the esports doesn't always shine the brightest light on them, but ultimately, when done right, um, a relationship is um, something that you can rely on for emotional support as well as, well, mental support, I guess, mm-hmm. in a more broad sense. So obviously, when you're stuck alone in a room, um, your mental state is most important, right? So having someone that you can just message and be like, hey, how are you doing? Uh, you know, someone that cares for you and you really, truly believe and share that with that person. That's something that will always help you stay afloat at the very least. Uh, how how about you versus the other top laners uh, there? Because you mentioned something that I'm interested in mm-hmm. when you go. I mean, we, we, we mentioned the uh, the 369, uh, the Nogori, all mm-hmm. the, these amazing top laners we have at Walt. Mm-hmm. Where do you see yourself among these these players? It's hard because you didn't um, play them, right? I mean, no, not really. It's not hard at all. Oof. Um, I mean, it's always, it's always been simple for me. Um, I'm the best player in the world unless I decide not to show up like that on the day. So uh, I know how to make the decisions and I know how to execute the mechanics to be the best top laner in the world. Um, I've seen it a million times. I've taught myself a million times. The, the, the problem is more that it's not that simple. <laughs> I make it sound very simple because that's the goal, right? You need to be, in my opinion, you need to have the idea of I need to be the best in the world. Mm -hmm. Because if you're not, then why are you at Worlds, right? If you're not trying to be the best in the world, then you're probably not going to win anything. So... Interestingly enough, when I look at the stats of the team and the uh, damage distribution, you appear to have the biggest damage share among Fnatic players, which is something that we haven't been used to seeing, especially mm-hmm. in a meta where you play a lot around, around self-made. Uh, how do you explain that and the importance you gain through group stage? Um, I mean, I guess I was just playing a lot of Volibear. Uh, the champion kind of deals a lot of damage, especially when you build him the way I do. <laughs> I like taking uh, Conqueror or Press and killing people, so uh, I guess I just... Uh, I think uh, mostly, I think we were all on the same page in most of the games we played, and every time I was participating in a fight, I could really commit to, to the fight, and I think that that's why my damage share is uh, likely higher than normal. Mm-hmm. Because... We all know I'm a very aggressive player. Healy's a very aggressive player. Self-made likes to join the fun. Um, and then you've got Reckless and Nemesis that are like a bit more calculated, controlled players. Mm-hmm. Um, 
that's kind of our team in a nutshell. But what it comes down to is, is when Haley like gets to go loose, uh, I generally speaking get to follow up on that. So I'm gonna be able to join the fights quite often. And fortunately for us, Haley has some really good games and groups. Yeah, he's been one of the top supports, honestly, internationally. That's super interesting to see. But I mean, um, when I talked to Reckless, we mentioned the fact that this meta uh, puts a lot of emphasis on jungler and carry junglers. But I mean, you guys proved that you can play mm -hmm. through different strengths. So do you feel like the meta suits you well in the sense that since you understand it already, you are able to play around other strengths here? Or uh, I mean, yeah, mm -hmm. what's your take on the meta as a whole? When it comes to Fnatic's playstyle, I mean, my my take on the meta is that um, carry junglers need to farm a lot. Mm -hmm. So um, in this jungle meta, where there's a lot of farming, there's obviously also a lot of windows for laners to exploit weaknesses, right? So, for example, um, a perfect example of 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 this occurrence, the farming, um, is LGD versus uh, Fnatic, where they late invade our red buff and then. Um, Nautilus decides to trade bottom side because we're trading sides, right? This mm -hmm. is what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to kill the enemy bot lane. We're trading sides. Graves runs to the Raptors. Nautilus runs to hook Leona. He gets murdered. <laughs> <laughs> he just dies. Um, our bot lane doesn't care about Graves trading sides because, well, if he's going to come out of his jungle, out of our jungle, to stop us, to start fighting us, then you know maybe we we'll lose some summoners, but our Hecarim will be able to catch up and farm everything. And that's way more valuable for us uh, as a carry jungle, like for in a carry jungle meta, than for the enemy team, because carry junglers don't like to repeat gank unless mm -hmm. they're back on that side of the map, right? So you like they go from bottom to top. Like let's say in this situation, Graves wants to full clear everything, then base, and then look for a gank, and then full clear again, right? That's kind of how you want to look at it. Mm -hmm. So um, if that's your understanding of jungle meta, which is in my opinion, I believe jungle meta works like this: you have a carry jungler, he will be there at the start of his clear or at the end of his clear, and that's the two windows you have to gank, really. With that in mind, you have a lot of time in between. Yeah. Right? As a laner, you've got like a minute and a half or like a minute where I can confirm now Graves is no longer here, so it's time for me to take a trade, to set up a trade, to set up a dive, to set up whatever is going on. Um, and it creates a situation where laners on their own can create way more aggressive plays and, and situations and set things up for themselves. So I think that that's why we had such a strong performance in groups, because the majority of the games, um, I mean, I think our, our bot lane won 2v2 pretty much every single game. Like they either 2v2 killed or um, they didn't die 2v2 yeah. for the first five games. And then in the last game, there was some, some problems all across the map, let's be honest. <laughs> we had a, a little bit of a... Uh, struggle in that last game um but my point is is because our bot lane was able to find that and then i had my kill pop lane against tsm in the first game and mm -hmm. then um those situations being created uh is it's so advanced like it's such a huge advantage for a jungle meta like this because if your laners are able to take summoner spells when your hecarim or your graves or your nidalee decides to show up in that bot lane all of a sudden um when his clear is finished and they have no summoner spells well it's not that hard to get a kill. <laughs> and I mean, now thinking about the top lane meta itself, we've seen an evolution. I have stats uh, right now, actually. We started groups with Renekton being uh, top peak, top win rates, and advancing a bit, we've seen a lot more Camille, Volibear, uh, Orn, mm -hmm. who was a lot more available, Shen as well. Uh, what's your take on this evolution? Actually, we've seen 19 champs uh, on the top lane, which is the most champs on every wall uh, on the Summoner's Reef right now. 
Uh, how, how do you explain that this role is so diverse, but still we keep on seeing the same champs most of the time? Uh, I think it, it comes from like, I think it's mostly um, the fact that you have so many answers into different champions, right? Like you say Camille's back in the meta and I had an interview where uh, I basically said in drafts, I was like, I think, what was it Camille? Uh, I'm trying to think. I think it was Camille. Yeah, TSM locked in Camille and I got asked by Mithy, hey, do, do you want to lock in top lane right now or, or shall we wait? Um, I just told him I have like seven options, so it's up to you. <laughs> so I could play seven different champions, yeah. uh, of which that uh, two I haven't even heard being like uh, two of them. I guarantee you haven't even showed up at Worlds. Um, probably more. Um, that it puts a, it puts it into perspective, right? You have so many answers into different champions, and that's why I think Volibear and Renekton showed up as, as the meta, and they still are because the amount of answers you have into those champions are way less. Like it's way harder to draft against those champions because uh, your options are just fewer. Mm -hmm. Like if you lock in Camille, like I mentioned, you can play a lot of champions into Camille and Camille's yeah. still a good champion. That's why you do see her. She does her job. She scales super well. Great ultimate, great mobility, great split push, solid team fighting. But uh, you don't know what to expect, right? You're playing against a Jax player, you can play Jax. You're playing against a... Uh, Singe player, yeah, that's a matchup Singe can show up in. Uh, Shen player, Shen can show up in that yeah. matchup. And there's a bunch of other matchups that are 5-5, five, five, right? You've got Gangplank that can do fine. You've got uh, blah, blah, blah. You can play a million champions. And obviously, Renekton and Volibear, they both do well into her too. So, well, yeah. Um, point is, why blind anything other than Volibear and Renekton? Well... Some players like to carry harder, and that's the <laughs> idea. And you can get away with it. If Volibear and Renekton don't play incredibly well and you play around them well, um, you can pretty much pick any top laner in the game, I feel like. Okay. It's a surprise, but in this carry jungle meta, if you can dodge those windows, those ganking windows that the enemy junglers have, because if they camp you, they're going to fall behind in camps, and if you fall behind in camps, those champions don't really get that, get to do anything anymore. Yeah. Interesting. And I feel like, I mean, with best of fives especially, we're going to see a lot more of these champions because you have to adapt uh, one game after another. And focusing on, the, on these best of fives, uh, that's also a talk I had with Reckless. But um, you, we know most of the opponents by now that you may face in quarters, uh, which are Suning, uh, mm -hmm. Damwon, probably Zobby Sports. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I heard some fan and community discussions around uh, the team that would shoot the best for Fnatic's playstyle, but what is your take on that, uh, on the opponents you may face? Um, yeah, I thought about it, and ultimately I think all those teams play very similar. <laughs> I think they all play a very similar style and they all have the same traits. They have a strong top laner, uh, a very strong top laner, so you've got 369 from top esports, which we can assume, but let's say... Um, DRX makes it as the first seed because I do think those are the only two options. I could be wrong, but I'm, I'm pretty sure it's one of those two. Um, strong top side, strong jungler individually, um, strong mid laner, and strong bot lane. So TLDR, strong team all around. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I just think that um, uh, Suning and uh, Damwon have a, from strong top laner, they, it goes a bit to crazy strong top laner. And what I mean by that is that these guys, like, they really push it. Uh, and that makes it really interesting to play against them. So stylistically, obviously, playing against top esports might be the best for us because obviously Jackie Love Reckless, even though World Finals, it wasn't the greatest matchup. Um, even then, actually, I think uh, that was actually our closest lane pretty much throughout 
Worlds 2018. So I would say that Top Esports in that idea would be the closest matchup for us. And I think that Nemesis actually does quite well as a player um, against very strong mid laners. Because as a player, he tends to be more neutral, more passive. So neutralizing a player like Knight would be... Um, I would have an easier time trusting Nemesis to neutralize a very strong mid laner than, say, for example, Caps that likes to be a bit more explosive, right? Oh. Um, so even though that's a, that's a very controversial statement, maybe, but uh, I think as players, Caps would much rather try to fight uh, and contest that yeah. guy. Uh, and Nemesis is way more okay with just being like, you know what, I'll just take the Ariana and farm it out. No worries, man. Yeah, and Nemesis is like crown 2017 against Faker playing Malzahar and trying to neutralize uh, Faker. That's, that's how I see it. Yeah, great um, example. You mentioned that's G2. That's a great example. That's my last question, actually. Uh, uh, what is your take on Fnatic looking better than G2 after group stage? Um, yeah, as a team, I think we look better. Like, I mean, we had some crazy moments where people were like, holy moly, these guys are on fire, you know? Like, uh, don't get me wrong. Like, it was great to play as well, right? Like, I remember um, there was a moment where uh, Kramer, I think he was playing Senna, like, he he, he poked a Healy over the wall and then, like, Healy just eat him over the wall and just dropped a ward for me and we just murdered him um like moments like that it, it helps me remember um how nice it is to, to to like really trust someone right like me and hilly were talking like I, I can tp i was telling him i can tp i can tp i just need the ward right and i was just screaming at him to drop a ward when he was doing that and he like instantly dropped the ward as soon as he got over the wall as deep as he could like he, he, he literally put it as far as he could i tp'd in we got two kills and i was like that felt really good and then i was like walking around in the river uh Self-made found another kill. I went, I came to collect it as well. And uh, when you're in a game like that, I think that like the biggest deal there is that everyone was looking at the same thing. Like everyone had their screen on Hilly's screen. If you, if that makes sense, we're yeah. all looking at Hilly and we're all ready to make a play together. And I think that that's why um, we had a better like it looked better than G2 because as a team, uh, we were all on the same page. Yeah, we 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 were committed. Um, every single play we made even at the last game like the baron contest we did we were all committed we died like we we got ace there as a team and i think that proves uh, our group stage performance as a whole that past a certain point in the game fanatic was playing with five players at every single point and whether we killed five players or died as five players doesn't matter because we were a team I agree, and not gonna lie, we've missed this fanatic, honestly. And um, oh, okay. Uh, one last question. I, I I know that the previous one was supposed to be the last, sure. but is there some nuggets you could give me on what we can expect from fanatic in quarterfinals? Oh, that's really hard to say. Uh, first of all, I, I would love to see what opponent we're playing against first yeah. before making any any. Obviously, I don't want to get too cocky. Um, the only thing I know is that. Um, based on all the top laners from the first seeds that I expect. So if we're going to assume top esports is going to make it out as the first seed, which we could be surprised, but I'm going to go ahead and assume that. Um, prove me wrong, DRX. Why not? Uh, <laughs> that said, um, if we're assuming 369, Nuguri, and um, Bin are my opponents, mm -hmm. um, I would say that it's going to be a pretty crazy top lane because I'm much more of the Caps type of player. Um, if I see a good player, I'm going to go fight them because I think that's way more fun. Uh, and that's not to say that I'm not trying to win, you know. Like I, like, I think this is a point of discussion that a lot of people like have a hard time wrapping their heads around is the idea of like, why would you do something that's fun rather than that's better for winning? And that's not the point. The point is, is that you're trying to find a way to make what you enjoy work, right? Mm. 
Mm-hmm. So for me, I'm more inclined to contest someone rather than run away from them. So you could argue, why don't you play Lulu top and just farm against these guys because they're too good? Yeah. Well, no. first of all, because that's going to be really difficult. Yeah. Anyway, that'll be very hard. <laughs> um, well, not even. It's just um, changing your own playstyle and changing the way you approach the game is something that takes a lot more energy and resources than people understand. Like, I've played my whole career uh, contesting people in lane, and if I randomly stop doing that and change my whole champion pool in order to not do that, then I'm going to have a better, a worse performance than if I fully believe that I can just perform better on the day. And I think that that's something that a lot of people need to understand in esports. Um, and this goes to every single every single esport, right? Not everyone is perfect. Not everyone will perform perform on their A game on any given day. And when they do, and you lose, you need to accept that. That's all right. That can happen. Someone is better than you. Someone will always be better than you. You might not know who it is or when, but the point is, the only thing you can do is try to be that guy. You know, Nugri and Bin, they're, they're being considered as some of the best top laners in the world. 369, best top laner in the world. But what if, what if some guy called Whippo showed up <laughs> and he was better on the day? That's what you're looking for. Yeah. That's what you're trying to achieve when you're trying to compete at Worlds, because this is what matters. Sure, over 200 games, those guys will probably get the best of me more, m- way more often than half. But that's not the point. No. We're playing at best five games. In five games... A lot of things can go wrong. And that is what happens on the day that counts, Ribo. I agree with you on all of that. And thank you so much for all these insights. It was a pleasure to talk to you. And we'll see you for quarterfinals. Thank you very much. Well, thank you, Lore and uh, Bwipo for that insight into what's kind of going on behind the scenes, how Bwipo's feeling. A lot about the top lane meta, a little bit about Fnatic and the games to come. And our boy might not be prophetic, but he's damn close because we've now seen the group draw. Frosco, your thoughts on that one? Uh, hmm... I thought the most interesting conversation that Whipple had there is this idea that he's not here to survive lane. He's here to win lane and how dangerous that can be. But ultimately, I do think that's the correct mentality. Like he's saying, if you don't believe that you're here to be the best, then you're probably not going to go far. Sure. And while um, I do consider top heavy favorites here, I think that there is hope if Fnatic are all in top form and performing. I don't think that Fnatic ceiling eclipses top's ceiling. But, you know, if top are a little bit sleepy, a little bit groggy, try to flip on Fnatic and Fnatic are in perfect form, like, I don't think that's a a 0% chance of winning. I think it's like a 30% chance of winning. And we take those fans at home. (laughs) I'm going to be honest. Whippo interview aside, we were given a gift from the gods with this freaking group draw. Like, whatever, you know, pantheon, monotheism, like, whatever you believe in, you know, give, them a sh- give them a shout out for me, you know? May not be for me, but I appreciate it. The only way you it got know? better is if we also got Sooning. Yeah. Oh my God. We got Fnatic versus TS, which is obviously tough, but we have an entirely LPL side of the bracket. And we have an entirely LCK side of the bracket. We've got Fnatic, who historically have a little bit of a better track record against LPL teams, you know, something like to a certain degree. They're the LPL killers. They took down RNG. They took down EDG. Boom, boom. And G2 are the LCK killers. They are the LCK killers. Who's and they really go against, staying up at night ooh, worried? They go against G. And let me tell you, folks, of the four number one seeds, G's the weakest by a big margin. I think you could make an argument for Sooning. 
Yeah, but G2 lost the suiting, so, I, you know, <laughs> and they also couldn't technically get picked against them. So, of the available options, okay, that's fair. Gen G is going to give into it. So, let's, um, we got a decent amount of time here left in the episode, so let's, I think, go through matchup by matchup, and I think we should start probably with Gen G, G2. I almost don't want to talk more about TES Fanatic, because I don't think it gets better I the more in-depth we go. <laughs> <laughs> the thing that's really interesting about uh, top is they're not infallible. Like we saw them bleed against FlyQuest, but sure. you need to be able to uh, skill check them. Mm-hmm. And I think top kind of did that themselves by putting Knight into a Galio matchup as opposed to his Oriana matchup. Like if he limits his own effectiveness in a game, uh, then that makes it better. But I do think it's very interesting this idea that because it's Nemesis instead of Camps, that Knight won't be able to snowball a matchup out of control because Nemesis will just kind of starve him out and bore him and won't really give him the opportunity to do that. Um, But obviously, if then Knight is on a pick that can take over a map, that can be really dangerous. So I do think that the... If all of Fnatic's members are on their individual best form, like you're getting the best Mm -hmm. that we've ever seen of these guys... Then again, I think that there's there's hope there. But if you're not on your best form against top, they just they chill and then they smash you when it comes to the time to fight them because they're so good mechanically. And that's the concern. But like Fnatic, great in this meta. Support and jungle, probably the most important. Ooh. Roaming supports, hard carry junglers, mm, that tastes delicious. Yeah, diversity in champ lane, top lane, champion pool for those sweet, sweet counter picks. Um I feel really actually pretty good about Fnatic, all things considered. The thing is, is that... I just don't want them to get 3-0'd. I think that's literally the only thing that would disappoint me. Yeah, at this point. I would love for them to win, but you're right. Only way we feel absolute disappointment is if they get 3-0'd. It'd be really nice to not have that happen to uh, an LEC team in bracket stage, to not get 3-0'd, specifically by an LPL team. But additionally, I think that there's one kind of weakness on the side of Fnatic that we were keeping track of and that's the fact that Nemesis is a very defensive mid laner and that's not always an issue going even in lane is fine but oftentimes what we saw is him not willing to kind of contest some of the ways where maybe he could have to stop maybe the opposing mid laner from roaming now admittedly most of the times where we saw that he was against mid laners who didn't provide the biggest roam threat things like the Azir but my concern would be if Knight is playing a champion which I expected to be. Of course, there could just be some Galio action all the time, and Galio is a good roamer. Then I do worry about what happens if, even if it's an even matchup, if Nemesis allows himself to get pushed in, or there's like a little bit of pressure advantage, how quickly that gets out of hand. And I feel the same way about Bwipo, and I didn't until he, until he told me, I'm going to try to fight, and now I'm worried. Because Bwipo trying to fight, it's... But this guy's been like hard grinding solo queue. Like Bwipo is like, he's putting in the hours right now. No, and I should, of all the people in this team, I feel like Bwipo has like pretty much never let me down. The man's a rock. I mean, he let you down in the the finals against Invictus Gaming. Okay, yeah, but like he was young then. That was the shy. Okay, that was the shy. All right, all right. But I'm I'm nervous about that. You know what I mean? And like, this is the problem, I think, with my particular brand of fandom is I feel like the, um, the nitpicky mom. Who's like, oh, you're going to hurt yourself in practice. You got to put your shin guards on. You know what I mean? Like, because I'm just, I'm like so scared all the time for our boys. And maybe I should let go Sometimes of that. Sometimes you but... just got to let them fall if they're going to fall. His name is 369. Little John wrote a song about him. I mean, like, what do you want from me? He's a scary boy. He either rolls a three, a six, or a nine. And the average of all of that is six, 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 six. There you go. Which means cool. There you go. <laughs> 
Fun facts. In Mandarin, uh, six sounds similar to the word cool or awesome. So that's why when you watch an LPL chat, that if you TV, you're watching your dopa streams, (laughs) whatever dopa streams these days. You just see six, 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 six. Unless Clear Love's on screen, then it's all street sevens. So, but but despite all of that, you're still giving it thirty percent. Is that is that just like that's too many things need to go right for Fnatic, and that's why it's the thirty percent? Like at the end of the day, you just think that TOP are more going to be the more consistent, more reliable. I just think if both teams show up at their absolute best on the day, that TOP win that. Um, but again, I think I said this on cast and if not, I'll say it again here. I think this is like the most competitive top eight teams that we've had in a very long time. Yeah. Trying to think like 2014 worlds. That was Samsung white, Samsung blue, EDG, RNG. That was pretty big. OMG and TSM maybe. Yeah. I can check for you real quick. I think that this probably is it so we had samsung white tsm samsung blue c9 starhorn uh royal club right shr starhorn royal club what yep. were they back then royal whatever form of royal, starhorn royal club edg nodgen white shield and omg holy shit nodgen white shield i forgot about Nodgen. yeah and that was completely. the first time that a uh, korean team had been beaten by a best of five by a team that wasn't a korean team yeah absolutely crazy shout out to watch but like think of how long it's been since you saw eight teams you're like damn <laughs> Yeah, I'm trying to think back, and it always feels like there's like one or two teams that kind of sneak into groups, and that's always like the price that we pay for. There's no Albus Knox Luna just hanging out in here. There is no Albus Knox Luna just mad chilling that like snuck their way out of groups, you know, no matter how good that performance was. And this is this is kind of crazy, right? And We may actually be the Albus Knox Luna. <laughs> we might be the Albus... LEC might be the Albus Knox Luna in this essentially... LCK versus LPL Riff Rivals tournament that we're throwing at this that point. That and G2 just shit like wedding crashed. They're like, wait a second. You're not from the LPL. G2's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> You're not an LCK team. They're like, uh, Anasio. Fnatic and G2 are like, we didn't think it would be like this when we decided to take a split off and go to the uh, yeah, Eastern yeah. Regions League. It's like when CLG showed up in Champions for like that, <laughs> for like winter, that one time CLG EU. Oh my God. And this is, I think that this is the thing is that I think that there also has been the sentiment that groups haven't felt quite as crazy. And I kind of agree with that. And maybe this is part of the reason why is that the draw is just... You can call it so even, but maybe there's just like, there's didn't feel like there was one true group of death with the way all the second seeds or the pool two seeds were gone. There was obviously a lot close there, but there, we didn't feel like we eliminated a tournament favorite in groups. And maybe that's why groups didn't feel quite as crazy and why this top eight feels so stacked. I mean, maybe, I don't know. It is pretty ridiculous though. Um. Hmm. Yeah that point i guess we just go on to the next matchup now uh of course i forgot to say this is a top but the if you did not watch the bracket draw and you haven't pulled up a graphic in front of yourself yet you have all the lpl teams on the top yeah, side so of the bracket tes versus fanatic on one side of the bracket suning and jdg so the winner of tes versus fanatic versus the winner of Gen- suning versus jdg for that one and then on the opposite side of the bracket we have dan Wan gaming versus drx seen that one before somewhere i can't remember quite I can't, how it's right on the tip of right my where tongue? have we seen that uh... one before and then gen g versus g2 and now Ladies and gentlemen, there's only one scenario where we don't get an absolutely banging world final. And that scenario is Genji and DRX and semis. Because <laughs> that was not a good best of five. And part of that wasn't their fault because of technical difficulties. But outside of that, we pretty much get a banger no matter what. So, theoretically, 
if we're taking favorites into mm-hmm. account, it would be TES beats Fnatic. Yep. JDG beats Sooning. Mm-hmm. So it would be TES versus JDG, the rematch of the LPL summer final. If it goes to, which is cool because if that's our semi, that's a banging semi because those teams have faced multiple times this year and both finals went to all five games. JDG, of course, won in spring. TES won in summer. So it is not just a done deal that TES would win again. Let's assume that TES win again. Mm-hmm. Although I think it should be JDG. TES go to finals. On the other side of the bracket, Jinji versus G2. I don't care what LS says. G2 win that yeah, game. Yeah, G2. Then you have DRX versus Damwon. Damwon popping out over there. Repeat of the LCK finals. Uh, yep, the clean run back. Sorry, sorry. Obviously, condolences to Deft. I really wanted Deft to do great things. Uh, the, I saw the <laughs> tweet from draw. Ashley. That they were like, the light has left Deft's <laughs> <You're> like, <"Ooh." laughs> Then it's Damwon versus G2. I'm going to assume that Damwon win that one. Good try, guys. Had a good run. Yeah. Final, TES versus Damwon. That's a great final. That's a great final. JDG I don't mind that versus final. Damwon, also look, great I don't, final. I don't love just knocking our teams off, but that's like this that's the safe bet approach to this bracket. Like if G2 deep Damwon Gaming, despite the fact that they have technically done it before, that's still an upset to me. Like that's crazy. Because right now Damwon Gaming in form look like they deserve to be in the world finals. Most certainly. Like they deserve to play for the right to be the best team in the world. Um Whereas G two are taking multiple runs at Sooning and just griefing it. <laughs> yeah. By the way, oh, this is great. We, I haven't gotten to flame this on this this particular piece of content yet. By the way, if you at home are like, you know what part of G2's draft I really want to copy? Senna Callista bot lane. <laughs> you better be in the same trash ELO that I am in, or you are going to be a sad, sad person, because goddamn, that bot lane sucks. I just feel like some of the meta reads by certain teams is just a little bit wonky. Yeah. I just felt like they were like, I don't want to play Senna here anymore. I'm like, what? She can support. It's fine. And you're like, Callista. And I was like, no. The best Senna in the world right now is Jackie Love. Everyone watches Jackie Love play Senna, and they're just like, damn. And I think Senna is actually really good at killing tanks, surprisingly. Yeah. Well, with her build path, because, and this is something that Freak obviously popped off on. Shout out to Freak for just literally just Oh, like, yeah. When he was like, that I edge is wrong. That I edge is wrong. And also, North America, you've let me down. And I will let the world know let how much you've down. let me down. You let your pet, pets yeah. down. If I'm the paranoid mom, like, worrying about the snacks and making sure all the kids kids are getting to soccer practice freak is the angry dad yeah, freak well, is the dad shouting at the little league match like ref are you blind and the dude's like your kid's six can you calm down and he's like dropping like, he's dropping f-bombs left and right like my god freak went in and you know that was him pulling himself Shiny back to... to slide into the base oh my god so wow so anyway side note shout out to freak um and now i've completely lost my train of thought Senna, you were talking about Senna's lethality oh, yeah, Senna, build. Yeah, yeah. So the thing is, the Senna doesn't scale super well with IE. Is the big thing that, that Freak likes to talk about. She also just gets infinite free crit chance anyway. Um, and she so, doesn't need the stats. She doesn't need to spend the gold to be much pen. more effective on your gold value for her damage output. Armor pen is yeah. the big thing. When you she, get every she, other stat for free, armor pen. Good. That's the multiplier you can't get essentially. Um, from her kit although why not give her lethality too with her sacking souls let's just make her the inevitable juggernaut of death but yeah jackie love looking fresh um and as you heard from whippo like everything that whippo said about that actually gave me a lot of hope for for fanatic in the sense that he's like yeah you know jackie love that was pretty even in our last matchup versus um you know ig jackie loves a lot better this time around 
in Hillisang. That's true. Hillisang, there's more sides to the coin now. It's not always tails when he flips it anymore. the thing crazy to me. I feel like if Fnatic win that series, it's because Hilly absolutely pops the fiddlesticks off. And you don't, I, I believe in Hilly. I feel like we've waited for this. I feel like people are like, it's time for Reckless to win a world championship. And I'm like, and Hilly's like, it's Reckless, time for, um, it's time for Hillisang to win a I'm, world championship. I'm sprinting out of Bulgaria right now. Just this man. He's not the <laughs> professor. He's the champion. You know what I mean? Like, I want this man to be revered. I love the way Hillisang plays League of Legends. Um, that's my fandom showing through people. I love Hillisang. My Hillisang concern is, is though, players. is that like, while Whippo's like, I think TES would be the best uh, stylistic matchup for us. I'm like, Fnatic versus LPL teams terrifies me because I feel like Fnatic are just the worst iteration of every LPL team. They're like, let's flip it here. Let's just fight. Let's just go in. Uh, and against like uh, LEC teams, other than G2, they can usually do that because they're better players. Against LPL teams, especially the ones that go to Worlds, like, oh, that didn't work. And then it's like a live fast, die young type of scenario. Oh, let's talk about our other, because I don't like, ultimately like, Sunni versus JG is cool, but meh. DRX versus Day One so, Gaming, cool. Do you have uh, any quick thoughts you want to share on those ones? Because like, I'm not as... I want to hit the LEC team. I want to hit G2 more than anything else. Sooning versus JDG uh, should be... So, oh, here's actually something that's really interesting. Because I think it's boring to just talk about matchups. Like, Fiddlesticks and turn into the analyst test for that. Like, oh, we'll break it down. Yeah, yeah, sure, 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 sure. What's super cool about this bracket is how intimate the teams are with each other. It is sure. a completely different animal when you have faced a certain team numerous times where that best of five no longer becomes about the tournament meta or whatever like that best of five is just i say this all the time when you're doing your vod review if you go and watch just the playoffs of the lpl and the lck you're just cheating yourself you're not really learning as much about those teams as you would want because they play so many games and they play against each other so many times that you're not watching who jdg are you're watching who jdg are when they specifically face specifically against that other team yeah. that team and so what's cool here is now you have tes sooning and jdg all in the same bracket and they're like i know exactly what to do against those if you're guys an analyst, this is great because your tape finally matters your playoffs tape <laughs> finally matters your best off series finally matter and it's like it's so cool because now you get to look back and go okay who was the weakness in this series who was the weakness the last time these teams played like what's changed now who's performing better and it's just what easy storylines are made of like we don't have a script but if we did this is how we would write it for ease of prep this is perfectly how we would write the script so yeah. this is like the actual dream and i think that and let me tell you uh soon you're about to get gapped oh, they are not a consistent team and jdg are about to be like let me sh let me show you how to play this map let me show you how to close a game that doesn't include a gangplank teleport on a minion wave to blast a backline that's true. We cry every time. Best barrel. So best crazy. barrel of 2020. The thing is, is like that play was mad and it definitely was like the game winning play. But ultimately, you never expect that. Gangplank doesn't fight like that. Gangplank gets there first. He sets up. He's on the barrels. And the thing is. Fair, he did. He just picked the most random bush of all time to stand in. Senna was so powerful at that point. That was absolutely a winnable team fight for G2 if they played it right. And then Ben just with like the hero move. But so risky he could have gotten two shot by Cena if they saw him coming if that bush was warded if they saw him coming you just turn around and just boom boom you remember pirates of the caribbean i wanted to make this reference on cast but i didn't have enough time to set it up there's that scene where barbosa's like 10 years you carried that pistol and now you're gone and waste your shot and then the dude's like i didn't waste it because the curse of immortality is over and he, that, that's how i felt i felt like ben was standing there and perks is like you wasted your shot and he's like 
I didn't waste it. It's like Infernal Drake or whatever they got Dragon Soul. Doesn't matter. Boom. All of our dreams as EU died. And I was like internally crying and laughing at my own reference and then saying whatever I said, which was like, oh my God, one shot. But uh, The shy senses for God. Oh, oh my God. That's the best part about that. By the way, if you're if you're not on social media for any reason whatsoever, the best series of memes to come out is um, G2 basically getting one shot by over LPL the many top years winners. by the LPL top winners. Or or LCK top winners because there's the Smeb Cannon Alt right, and then there's the, the obviously the shy Aatrox play, the and then this Gangplank Barrel. So there's just years of oh, the G two almost winning games. Was that also G two when Pawn hit them with the the barrel? Pawn hit them with the barrel. Was Gangplank mid? Yeah. Oh, I don't even remember that. So anyway, that was where uh, our dreams died a little bit, and then the group draw came, and they all came back to life. Yeah, but it is it is really interesting that these teams have so much experience against each other, and I think that. It will mean one of two things. It will mean that we get some of like the craziest matchups where people are pushing the limits to the absolute most that they can because they know what their opponents can do and they know what they can do and they want to exploit every one of these weaknesses. So we don't have these like best of fives where the first game is like walking around and like, you know, ooh, we're going to push here. We're going to play really slow. We're going to like see where you will and won't contest us. But it's just going to be like, we're going to fight. We're going to fight constantly because we know that player sucks. We know our guy is better here. We know that guy's weaker and we're going to make it all work. And like, that's really cool the downside is is i do worry especially in the case of like the drx day one gaming series that like the last time these two team teams played it felt like drx like knew that they were doomed in draft and just threw random crap at the wall to see if they could get some kind of edge and i do not want to see that in a world's quarterfinal that's kind of like an interesting discussion that i've had with a couple of um analysts that talk about like they almost like psych themselves out because if you talk to pro players and coaches, you get into this thing where it's like everything works in a perfect theory and then everything's yep. in a vacuum. And so they start like, they like inception themselves. So yep. like, yeah, I can't play this because of this matchup and how it works and they'll do this. And so they go like multiple layers down underneath and like, I know I'll play Panthea. <laughs> You're like, but not as support. We'll flex him to jungle i guess <clears throat> and, and it's just like it's bent so far backwards that you're just like what happened here yeah. and i think dan gaming are in what i like to call they're uh the giants of the lck they're the boogeymen and there's always we've we've heard about this before in 2016 probably said this all the time <laughs> what i love about that statement of like what? dan being the boogeyman yeah. is that nugri he holds his microphone like this oh my god and he he's just like i'm so used to looking at um LCK players looking like uh, the Shy or Watch um, or Smeb, like these really like crown, like these really pretty like K-pop-esque. Pretty boys, you know what I mean? And yeah. don't get me wrong, like Nuguri is adorable, but he just looks like a, a, I can understand why his name means raccoon. I can see it now. He keeps his <laughs> arms like right here. And he's he keeps got, like, his arms as close. He's very conservative body language. Big, oh my God. Yeah, it is It is definitely different. And it, it is, you're right, it is hilarious to call a man with like, in on the rift, he's the boogeyman. Off the rift, he's chilling. Off the rift, on the rift, he's like, he's a mountain lion. He'll rip your face you're, off. You are walking up. You think you're going to pet the cat? That's not a cat, baby. <laughs> DRX have tried to pet the cat before. And it mauled them. And they're traumatized for life. And they play like the cat is going to maul them every time. Like they've got the, the collar. They've got the little net thing that, you know, that they've got to try to put the cat in the cage. They can't do it. And the thing is, is probably has talked about this before way long time ago. When G2 were the OG 
kings of Europe, back when Sven and Mithis first joined the roster, they were so good for so long in Europe that when they did anything on the map ever, teams assumed that they knew what they were doing and that it was the right call. It's like the old Moscow Five. Yeah, you would just not contest them because despite the fact that you only saw three people and they're like, well, it would be really inting for them to send three people top lane right now when we have five people here, you'd go, oh, they know something we don't. They must be smarter than us. They know they have to know something we don't and they'd psych themselves out. And I'm worried for DRX and potentially for Genji as well, depending on what happens in the G2 series, that like we don't even get to see peak strength Danwon gaming because the game's over before it even starts, before champion select even happens, because these guys are so in their own heads about fighting the boogeymen. Now maybe that's overreading on the scenario, but based on the what we saw in finals, it doesn't feel completely off. And I'm I'm, I'm hoping it's not the same scenario, but that's what it looks like to me. I don't know. I'm super stoked. Like I'm sure I'll say a bunch of stuff when I have like time to prep for like analyst desk, but right now I'm just looking at top eight and I'm like, this is lit. This is lit. I don't think there's any bad best of five. I think the worst best of five that we got is Sooning versus JDG. And that's... I was going to say DRX versus Daywon. <laughs> <laughs> no, the rest is good. You're yeah. still going to have pretty good semis and you're, you're guaranteed a, a cross regional final. If else, of course, it's Fnatic versus G2, in which case, LEC fans, we get another Fnatic versus G2. But who will get 3 0'd? That's the best. How can we both go 0-3 in finals if we're both in finals? <laughs> Ultimate uh, poetic justice would be if we both if go Fnatic out 0-3 in semis. Them. <gasps> Wouldn't that be... Okay, if I'm the actual scriptwriter, G2, Fnatic make finals, and G2 are like, it's donezo. And then Fnatic, Fnatic never win another domestic title, but for the rest of their lives, they have to know that when it mattered most... That when it mattered most, G2 lost to Fnatic in the World Finals in 2020. That sounds good. So I'd like to congratulate Dan Wom for winning the World (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Oh, it's Dan Wom our top, guys. Those are the favorites. All right, Genji versus... I want it to be JDG. I... I want the toothpaste skin. Oh, my God. Minty fresh. (laughs) The minty fresh JDG skin. Okay, Genji versus uh, G2. I guess quick... I don't... I didn't love what we saw from Genji in groups, ultimately. I feel like BDD is the weakest of the three Korean mid laners by a decent margin, and I'm not scared at all of Cavs versus him. Ruler is very good, um, and that's a problem. That's like the big point of the thing that I'm worried about is the ruler life bottom lane as much as I believe in Mickey and Perks, but the rest of the map, I feel like our top side way beats Genji's top side for G2 versus Genji. Uh... Hard to say. Yankos is a bit of a wild card there. I mean, so is Clid. Yep. True. It was 30% on top versus Fnatics. So that, I good. need to go. I mean, in all honesty, I need to go back and really grind the Gen G VODs because like people have such a different opinion. Like when I talk to Yamato or even listen to LS, have such a different opinion of that team. And I felt pretty confidently that Fnatic were like the stronger team. And I still believe that Fnatic kind of entered their draft against Genji, but ultimately Genji did take first. So I need to just like go back and find an appreciation for Genji because I'm pretty much aligned with you. I'm like, Ruler's really good. Unfortunately, AD carry doesn't really matter that much in this current meta or can be neutralized. And while the other players are good, Worlds is really stacked in terms of pound for pound for talent. So I'm not afraid of Genji, but other experts and analysts really hold them in high regard and feel that Genji didn't get the best look when their game got you know, multiple paws stalled out into that cluster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think taking that series as anything analytical to hold against Genji here is difficult. Like, if you want to look at the first 
X games before the pause, I think the first three games before the pause came in, then like that's fine, right? Like look at them in a best of five and judge them for that. And it was not the best series, but to be fair, it was also like a little bit of a comedy of errors. Like Piotr got a bunch of random kills that he shouldn't in a lot of the games that DRX won, just like kind of stumbled into bot lane kills is what it felt like. So while I think playoff series are always what people look at for prep, I do think that there is... There's a lot of room if you look at Genji domestically for some false reads on them, but I will say that of the LCK teams that we've seen play so far at Worlds, they are the least scary to me, I think. I think Genji's drafting is much stronger than DRX. Sure. Oh, for sure. DRX is on that CV Max, whatever, you know, like that wild, wild stuff. Like that Draven pick, like what are they doing? Like calm down. Calm down, CV Max. Calm down, Deft. I, you're here to win. You're not here to style. Like check, check your check the ego at the door, my friend. Although it would have been really cool if it did work. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I feel like that pretty much does it. So let us know what you think about the bracket stage. Do you believe in the EU versus EU final? Do you think that we're underestimating teams? Do you think that I'm maybe too scared for Whippo and that I should believe more in our boy? And of course, have you also seen Wide Whippo Happy? Because it's great. And I don't know who originally made that video, but it makes me so happy. And that song is stuck in my head all the time. Good luck, lads. Good luck, boys. I believe in EU. I believe in Euphoria. Keep your trash talk to yourselves until the games are done. That is my final request to you, fans. Always support them. I don't care if they run it in game one and pick the dumbest draft of all time. Your tweets to grabs are no good. Wait till they've run it in all three drafts when they get 3-0'd before you flame. Let's keep Twitter positive. If they check put Twitter, I want to see nothing but positive messages. I want to see nothing but let's hype these boys up. Let's get it home. That's how I feel. That's my rallying call to you, Europe. Anyway, this has been Euphoria. Episode three for Worlds. We'll be back after the quarterfinals to talk about everything that went down and hopefully our double semifinal matchups for Fnatic and G2. Woo!